0: Well, that was tough to watch. The Seahawks dropping their third game in four outings, falling to 7-6 of the season with a 30-24 to 24 loss to the Panthers. I'm going to be breaking it all down on our latest weekly postcast of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day greetings 12 this is corbin smith your host for the locked on seahawks podcast a special welcome to all of our listeners here for our weekly postcast, and a special thanks to all of you that make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks had a great opportunity to stick with the 49ers in the NFC West today, and unfortunately, they were not able to take advantage of that opportunity. Fell behind 17 to nothing to the Carolina Panthers, who hadn't won a road game in 13 months. They tried to make a valiant comeback but weren't able to finish it off in a 30-24 to 24 defeat to the Panthers. I'm going to be breaking that matchup down. What went wrong for the Seahawks in particular on defense, a very common theme to their recent struggles on that side of the football, dishing out game balls, and, of course, our weekly three-up, three-down on a jam-packed postcast. All right, let's get to our leech story here on Locked on Seahawks. In terms of crushing defeats, this one has to be up there for Pete Carroll. The Seahawks entered Sunday's game at 7-5 and five with a great opportunity to stay with the San Francisco 49ers. They got a matchup with the 49ers coming up at home on Thursday night, a chance to get to 8-5 and five and stay within a game of their NFC West brethren. But the Panthers had other plans, and this was a demoralizing defeat. A 4-8 Panthers team that hadn't won on the road in more than a calendar year had not won this season on the road. They came in and built a 17 to nothing advantage in the first half. The Seahawks ended up making it a six-point game at halftime. And it felt like the Seahawks had all the momentum getting the football to start the third quarter. All the momentum was on their side at home, and yet they couldn't quite get over the hump in the second half. The offense wasn't able to make enough big plays, and the defense really struggled. And that leads to the common theme that really is unraveling Seattle's playoff hopes. Now seven and six, just one game over 500. They've got the 49ers coming to town on Thursday with their potent run game. That is a real problem when you look at the way that this Seahawks defense the last four weeks has regressed stopping the run. And I'm using the word stopping with quotes here because I've yet to see the Seahawks be able to do that in the last four games. They are giving up 210 rushing yards per game. the last four games and not surprisingly they're one in three in those contests with the only win coming last week against the rams who are missing pretty much all of their key players on offense and yet still almost pulled off the upset at home that win is looking a lot less favorable for the seahawks now considering the way they have played in the three other games they've lost during the past month really this team has just not been playing well especially on defense over the last month and Really, you're seeing the culminating effect of not being able to stop the run. It's been happening week in, week out, and especially today against the Carolina Panthers, allowing 223 rushing yards, and a majority of that production came in the second half. This shouldn't really be a surprise. When you allow a team to have the football for 11 minutes more than you in the first half, that means that your defense was on the field a ton, and this has been a common problem for the Seahawks the last couple of years. And I thought that their run defense in the first half was fine. 22 carries for 78 yards, three and a half yards per carry. You'll take that, particularly considering the running backs weren't getting much done, but the Panthers were able to sustain drives and they got 22 carries in the first half. That's really the most notable number there. They might not have had the yardage and the yards per carry there, but there was a cumulative effect and you saw that in the second half with 145 rushing yards and six yards per carry after halftime. And as several players, including Ryan Neal, were pointing out after the game. This is an especially frustrating loss because they knew what the Panthers were going to do coming into this game. We knew what the Panthers were going to do coming into this game. Anybody that's got a brain that has watched this Seahawks defense over the last month and at the beginning of the season as well knows that they – have a major problem stopping the run, particularly gap runs, your counters, your powers, isos, duos. The Seahawks have not been able to slow down power run games at all this season. It's been especially bad over the last month. That continued to this game. And the Panthers, what really surprised me, I guess if there's any surprise, they were doing a lot of it out of shotgun in the second half and they were mixing in some read options in there with Sam Darnold. And he's a better athlete than people realize, was able to get a big chunk play as a runner, scrambling as well. But most of the damage in this game was done by a trio of running backs, and they were giving the Seahawks fits. You had two different running backs, Chuba Hubbard, as well as Deontay Foreman, who each had 74 rushing yards apiece. And then they also had Raheem Blackshear, who had 32 rushing yards on just four carries. He had an eight-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. That was really the backbreaker. It made it a 10-point game. When the Seahawks looked like they were going to finally get over that hill, they just couldn't get it done and ended up having the time of possession battle fall out of their favor by 20 minutes in this game. The Panthers had the football 20 minutes more than the Seahawks. And when you lose the turnover battle, which the Seahawks did thanks to an uncharacteristic performance from Geno Smith, when you consider those factors together, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the Seahawks lost this football game. You lose the turnover battle, something I talked about earlier in the week on our Blue Friday episode. I thought that was crucial this game. Try to force Sam Darnold to make mistakes. And he threw some errant passes in this game, but He didn't throw any interceptions, really played a clean football game. Geno Smith didn't get that job done on offense for Seattle. And then you compound it with the fact that the Panthers started five for seven on third down. They were able to extend drives. Darna was dumping it off to running backs and receivers. LaVisca Chenault had a couple swing patterns. He turned into big plays that moved the chains. It's not like the Panthers were winning this game, throwing the ball downfield. There was no presence of a vertical passing game for them at all. But they didn't need to do that. And really, opponents coming up on the schedule, the 49ers going to this next game, they've got some injuries they're dealing with. They're playing with a third-string quarterback, but they're one of the best rushing offenses in football. They're not going to get cute. They are going to go into this game, and they're going to look at the Seahawks' issues, defending gap. And honestly, zone schemes, the Seahawks have not been defending great in the run game, but gap schemes have really been where they've been getting gashed recently. It's really become a defense that embarrassingly cannot stop anyone that's running the football And if not for a peculiar series of plays late in the third quarter inside the five-yard line where the Panthers decided to throw it four straight plays, including fourth and goal, and didn't score a touchdown, if not for that, this game would have been more lopsided. I don't know why the Panthers didn't run the football at least a couple times in that sequence of plays because the Seahawks at that point could not stop them. It was a downhill bowling ball, and they just could not stop the Panthers, once they were able to get rolling in the second half. So this has really become an issue the Seahawks just can't seem to figure out. And now that run defense, more than anything, their issues running the football on offense, that is also a major problem. But at least in that case, you know that you're down multiple backs in the backfield. You've had major injuries there. The offensive line, the strength for a number of these players is not run blocking. They've been able to score enough points. That didn't happen in this game, though. The run defense, nonetheless, is still easily... Biggest issue, number one, that's now got them only a game over 500 and on the brink of not making the playoffs. It's been a very surprising season for the Seahawks, but this is the type of loss that can be very difficult to recover from, especially when you got to play again in four days. And that's what the Seahawks got to do. They have to have short term memory here at the same time. It's hard to do that when you keep having the same problem game after game after game after game. And it has not matter who's been in the lineup, which running backs they've been playing against. Teams have been able to run the football at will on them. And until they show improvements there, like they did in that four-game winning streak earlier in the season, until they can rediscover that run defense – this team is going to have a really hard time winning football te- football games because other teams are setting the tone they're holding on to the football they're sustaining long drives and they are getting this defense tired and it's keeping geno smith and company off the field too it's a winning strategy it's what pete carroll likes to do in offense right now the seahawks don't have the guys to play that style and other teams are beating pete carroll and the seahawks at their own game and so unfortunately, here we are now, a game over 500. It still would be viewed as a successful season considering expectations. But as well as this team was playing now, it's really been more than a month since we've seen the Seahawks playing at their best and not even close to their best today against the Panthers. And they're paying for it. Now their chance to win at NFC West looking pretty slim. Even with that game coming up on Thursday, that could change things a little bit if they can find a way to get the win at home. But Things are not looking good in the Pacific Northwest for a team that looks to be running out of gas on both sides of the football. Up next, I'm going to give out some game balls. There still were some standouts in this football game for the Seahawks, even in defeat. I'll be doing that on offense, defense, and special teams coming up next here on our postcast edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts we're sure you're going to love. That's why you're going to be able to find a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion available right now as a bonus episode on Locked On Presents. Think Like a Champion is a brand new podcast from former Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson and Audible. Russ is a champion on the field, but off it, we rarely see the grind. On the Path to Greatness, Russell Wilson alongside co-host Harry Wilson digs into high-performance athletes, artists, and leaders that push the boundaries of their potential. Here, a two-time... Super Bowl champion and MVP Von Miller delivers sharp insights about performing at your highest level in moments of extreme pressure or listen to NCAA champion Tim Tebow discuss how to find your unique personal mission in the world. Each episode features interviews with Olympic medalists, NFL stars, and business leaders. It's available for free on Audible or wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to Locked On Presents for a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion or catch the full series available anywhere you get your podcast. Audible, get in the game. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and soon in Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget or just need to get from A to B, and you can test drive that new electric vehicle you've been having your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability, insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. You're listening to the weekly postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, even in defeat like today, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. As you can see in the background, those of you watching on YouTube, you know, we've got to have something to brighten up the day. And in my new house here, we're still unloading all of our stuff. And so eventually, this will look much more like a typical podcast office but at least for right now we've got to the blue lights here on the Christmas tree let's get to our weekly game balls it's difficult in a loss to look at the positives especially in a game like this where the Seahawks were coming in as heavy favorites and they lost to a team that was four and eight and hadn't won on the road in 13 months but that's how the NFL is sometimes crazy things happen and quite frankly the Seahawks have not been playing well as a team for the better part of a month, and, and they're sputtering with four games left to go. Let's look at the players who did shine in defeat, and I going to start on the offensive side of football with a player that maybe isn't getting as much recognition as he deserves. The Seahawks have struggled to find that third receiver to complement D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and I think in the short term they have found that guy, and he had a big game today, that being Marquise Goodwin, finishing with a team-high 95 yards, on five catches. He also scored a 24-yard touchdown towards the end of the game. That was your typical garbage points drive. The Seahawks would have had to get an onside kick after that, which they were unable to do to have a chance to tie or win this football game. But nonetheless – Goodwin had a big game and you look at the catches that he made he had several explosives a 38 yard reception on Seattle's first touchdown drive and that was third and five so that was a key third down situation gets the explosive had another 15 yard catch on third and eight that set up the second touchdown going from Geno Smith to DK Metcalf that made it a 20 to 14 game heading into the half Goodwin made those drives happen with clutch catches and we're just seeing the smooth route running from him he's winning from the slot he's winning from the outside you can still see the track speed even now in his 30s his ability to create after the catch. This is not a defense that gives up very many yards after the catch in the Carolina Panthers. And yet we saw Marquise Goodwin have a couple really nice catches where he did rack up significant yards after the catch. And so he continues to be a pleasant addition for this offense. He's had a few injuries here and there this season, yet he continues to be productive. You can see Geno Smith trust him. And he's coming up with his catches in crucial situations. Those two big third-down catches, the touchdown today, where it almost felt like the Panthers' defense kind. Of folded there and just allayed a little bit, but nonetheless it was a 24-yard touchdown. And Goodwin continues to have one of the better seasons of his NFL career, a bright spot of day where offensively there were more highlights than on defense. And yet it was a letdown for the team that was the fifth ranked scoring offense coming into today's game and only managing to put up 24 points on the game. Now on the defensive side of the football, there was a little bit tougher decision here because when you look at this game There weren't really any players that stood out like, you know what, that defender had an outstanding football game. It felt like everybody had a part in the Panthers gashing them for 223 rushing yards. Everybody had a part in Sam Darnold being able to dump off the ball on swing routes and quick, uh, quick curl routes and getting first downs on those third down conversions early in the game. This was a full unit effort struggling against this offense. They hadn't scored many points for the Carolina Panthers. They've had a bunch of different quarterbacks. They've played musical chairs with running back. They've had changes at wide receiver as well. And it didn't matter in this game. The Seahawks couldn't get the stops. So really trying to pick a game ball today on defense is kind of like trying to pick between spam or – brussels sprouts at your favorite fast food joint it would be it it, it was a a agonizing selection process here because there wasn't somebody that really jumped out like you know what even in defeat even with how bad they played this player had a great game that being said i want to give a little love to a player that's had a pretty difficult third season this year and i've been highly critical of him here on the podcast and i thought that he came through with a sequence of plays that really helped wake the seahawks up in the first half and that's daryl taylor in the second quarter The first hit that he had on Sam Darnold, that probably should have been flagged. It was after the throw was out of his hand and he ended up hitting him. But still, it was nice finally seeing the pass rush find some life. And then on the very next play, he explodes around the corner on the tackle and gets to Sam Darnold and brings him down for the sack. So he had two straight quarterback hits and didn't hear from him again the rest of the game. I'm sure that he had some plays in the run game when he was in there. That has not been a strong point for him. I'm sure that there were some plays that he would like to have back in this football game. And yet, at the same time, this team had very few players bringing them juice on defense. I felt like when number 52 was in the game today, you at least saw that spark. You saw that fire from him rushing off the edge. And they didn't get a lot of pressure on Sam Darnold this football game. I was surprised by that. They did blitz quite a bit as the game progressed, and they still weren't able to get after him. Not a lot of opportunities with Carolina running the football so well. Uh, But at the same time, Daryl Taylor was that one spark on the outside. They had a few other nice uh, rushes by other players, but I felt like Daryl Taylor, he was the one guy that stood out that had a solid game considering circumstances. And and that ended up being, being a big sequence there that helped the Seahawks get the football back and eventually cut the lead to six points at halftime. It really did feel like they had momentum on their side, and unfortunately, They were not able to build off of that at all, and really the offense sputtered when they had their opportunities most of the second half. And by the time Geno Smith threw the touchdown to Marquise Goodwin, it really was too little, too late, and that's unfortunate. But Daryl Taylor had a solid game rushing off the edge and was able to get to Sam Darnold a couple of times on a day where the defense didn't do very many good things most of the afternoon. You got to give one player who actually showed out a little bit, a little bit of love. Nice C-52, second straight week coming through with a quarterback sack. Now, the easiest selection for me, and honestly, if I had to give one player the game in today's game, I would be going on special teams with a guy that had never played a single down for the Seahawks up to this point. He's been on their practice practice squad. Let's give some love to Godwin Iguabuke. Formerly a safety at Northwestern. This guy was a very good college safety at that. 324 tackles and seven interceptions playing in the rugged Big Ten. I was surprised that he didn't make it in the league as a safety, but he converted to running back a few years ago with the Detroit Lions. He's an explosive athlete, and you could see that on kick returns today. Three returns, well over 100 yards, his longest one being a 50-yard return. It has been a long time. Since the Seahawks have had a kick returner, I'm sure you could look back at Tyler Lockett earlier in his career, how dynamic he was returning kicks and punts. But ever since they moved him off of special teams and just made him a primarily offensive oriented football player and now one of their best receivers, obviously one of the best receivers in the NFL, they have struggled to find a game changer at the kick return and punt return roles. And Iguabuque today was that. He was a game changer because the Seahawks only had seven points on the board. And late in the second quarter, I thought that he was going to take it back to the house. And he did get tripped up by a punter, you know, maybe get razzed a little bit about that. But Iguabuque's kick went back past midfield and he got the Seahawks set up for Geno Smith to throw a second touchdown to DK Metcalf. That really sparked this football team. And they were feeling good going into the second half in large part because of that explosive return. And that's something they just haven't had. They haven't had that player with the explosiveness and the decisiveness to be able to hit those creases on special teams. I mean, especially now with rule changes that you can't have walls set up with multiple blockers. It is really difficult to find space. And when it is there, it is there for a millisecond. And so you need a guy that has that decisiveness that can rock it through there. And Igwe Buke was able to do that. He also had a really nice kick return to open the second half that got the Seahawks to the 40-yard line. They had great starting field position again, went down and got a field goal to cut the lead to three points. So you really can manufacture those 10 manufactured points that the Seahawks had. You can give a lot of credit to Iguibuque for putting them in position to do that because they weren't able to sustain very many drives today setting them up with really good field position in those two instances led to 10 points. And so that got the Seahawks back in the football game. And I'm just saying this now. I know it was only one game, but you've got to elevate him for the next two games from the practice squad just for his kick return abilities because, again, they have not had a game changer back there. This guy was really good for the Lions returning kicks last season. He's got value on special teams. The Seahawks should be taking advantage of those two extra elevations of the practice squad they have with him. He should be playing on Thursday against the 49ers, and the following week when they go to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. He should be on the field, and maybe he could play himself into a 53-man roster spot if he continues to shine on special teams. Heck of a debut for Iguibuque. Up next, our weekly three-up, three-down, our studs and duds. There were certainly some other players that had solid games today, and there were some players that will look back at the game film and be like, i got to step my game up next week. I'm going to be looking at those studs and duds coming up next year on our weekly post. Of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's week 14 of the 2022 season. I've got Mac Jones rebounding with a pair of touchdown passes against the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. That might not seem like a bold lead, but with Prize Picks, it's easy to play. Daily Fantasy put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players if they score more or less than their Price Picks projection. You can win up to ten times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. And Price Picks allows you to project any sports you watch, whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, even disc golf. You can do it. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that easy. With save and fast withdrawals, it's currently operational in over thirty states as well as Canada. Download the Price Picks app or go to PricePicks.com. To sign up and play daily fantasy sports, first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the weekly postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to have all the 12s out there on board for our latest episode. And thanks as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. For your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Seahawks losing for the third time in their past four games, and this one was the most crushing defeat so far. Losing at home to the lowly Carolina Panthers, 30-24, to fell behind 17 to nothing in the first half. Really ugly start, and they've really struggled at home. They've lost to the Falcons at home. They lost to the Raiders at home, and now the Panthers at home. All of those teams being under 500 at this point, when you're trying to make the playoffs, those are games you can't lose on your home turf. And so certainly an embarrassing defeat, and it puts the Seahawks on the outside looking in right now. They are no longer in the playoff picture, and they're going to have to beat some really good teams to get on the right side of the bubble now, after going 0-4 against the NFC South. Let's get to our Week 14 studs and duds, three up, three down. As I mentioned earlier in the show, there certainly were some players that played well today as the Seahawks climbed back into this football game, particularly on the offensive side of the football. Let's start with those positives here. On three up, three down, shall we? I want to start with a player that's actually been on three down twice in the last three postcasts. Charles Cross, it has been a little bit of a struggle for him as the season has gone on. But I thought today that he really elevated his game at left tackle. I mentioned earlier in the week, Brian Burns, he's one of those edge rushers that's extremely scary coming into a game in the NFL because he can take over contests with his speed, his athleticism, his ability to bend around the corner, and yet I don't remember hearing Brian Burns' name too much today on the telecast because Charles Cross did a great job, and you could include Abraham Lucas in this as well, but Cross did a great job of limiting Burns' effectiveness, and Geno Smith had his issues today, but For the most part, the pass protection in front of him held up, especially over on that blind side. And I thought Charles Cross played a really sound football game. And he's maybe going to be one of those rookies. I've mentioned this earlier in the week. When you hit that rookie wall, some rookies, when they hit that wall, they can't get over the hump. They just struggle the rest of the season. And sometimes you have talented rookies, especially high draft picks like Charles Cross where. You have a few games where you're trying to figure things out. This is the longest that you've played in terms of games in a season in your football career. And you're talented enough that you figure things out. You write the ship and Hopefully, that was the case for Charles Cross today because I thought this was one of his better performances. Again, I got to go back and watch the All-22. Maybe he wasn't as good as I thought watching the game live, but it felt like Brian Burns was really quiet in this football game, and a big part of that is because Charles Cross held up well in pass protection. He gave Geno some time to throw the ball downfield when the Seahawks were were able to find some offensive success. Staying on the offensive side of the football, this one is much more obvious. Tyler Lockett, he was my second selection for the game ball. He's gotten plenty of game balls during his career, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And what can you say about number 16 at this point? He is a human highlight reel. His touchdown catch, the first points for the Seahawks today, that was magnifique. That was one of the best catches that you were going to see a receiver make. And when you call a player like Lockett a ballerina, that's as great of a compliment as you can give an NFL receiver. But it, just the grace, the body control and the footwork that he puts on display week in, week out. That might not have been the most impressive touchdown catch that Lockett's had in his career. I would still take the touchdown he had wearing an action green uniform against the Rams a few years ago. That was the most improbable catch I've ever seen him make. But this is now on his short list, this touchdown against the Panthers, barely getting his feet down inbounds, just grazing inbounds on the turf, just exquisite footwork. And for him to go out and continue to put up big numbers week in, week out, it was not his most efficient game. Five catches on nine targets, didn't eclipse 70 receiving yards today. But that touchdown made him the franchise's all-time leader most games in a row with a receiving touchdown with six consecutive games. So he made history today, continues to add to his resume with the Seahawks as One of the players that deserves to be on Seattle's Mount Rushmore at the receiver position. He's right up there with your Doug Baldwin's and Steve Largent's, and DK Metcalf hopes to join that discussion as well. But Lockett continues to put up big numbers week in, week out, come through with clutch third down catches. You name it, number 16 keeps getting the job done. And last but not least on defense, I mentioned this earlier. Again, the bar has been set pretty low. Given Seattle's ongoing struggles, getting off the field on defense in general, but this is another player that was on my three down last week. I thought Bruce Irvin, that might have been the worst that I've seen Bruce Irvin play in his three different stints with the Seahawks. We go against the Rams. They were taking advantage of his aggressiveness off the edge. They were running jet sweeps right at him. He wasn't containing. He missed some tackles. There were opportunities to get to John Wolford, and he didn't get it done as a rusher. I thought that he bounced back today. Now, there were certainly some plays, just like Daryl Taylor and I talked about earlier, that he would have liked to have back. He was expressing his frustration about the run defense after the game. There were some plays where he got blown up off the line of scrimmage. There were a couple plays that he let get away from a little bit. At the same time, Irvin followed up Daryl Taylor's sack with a sack of his own on the next possession, and that was during a stretch where the defense seemed to find its footing and they were playing better. He was able to get to Darnold to get a key sack, eventually forcing a punt, And we also get to see him get a tackle for loss, had six tackles on the game. So, again, not a perfect outing by any means. Nobody on that front line can say that about this game, giving up 223 rushing yards and not getting a ton of pressure on Sam Darnold. But I thought that Bruce Irvin had a pretty nice rebound performance considering how he played last week and just the fact today there weren't a lot of stars on the defensive side of the football. There were not a lot of average players on defense. Bruce Irvin was one of the few that watching the game, Stood out to me that was making some positive things happen was being disruptive. Now let's get to the three down, the duds of the week. Anytime you lose a football game, there's going to be plenty of candidates for this one. And I'm going to give some tough love to a few players who still had decent games statistically. But let's start with the quarterback, shall we? First time this year that Geno Smith has been on the three down chart on our postcast And he deserves to be on here. This is what goes with the territory of being in the MVP discussion. This is what happens when you heighten expectations. Geno Smith threw three touchdown passes today. He didn't have a terrible game. He was really the offense for the Seahawks. He didn't have a running game to go with him. But he was just not at his best today. There was the critical interception beginning game. and Give J.C. Horn some credit. The more that I've watched that play, that was just bait job 101. And that's what shut down corners do. Tyler Lockett didn't look like he was going to be open. But at the same time, that's a decision that you would like to have back. That's a throw that you would like to have back, given the situation. I'm sure when Geno Smith watches the film, he's going to be kicking himself about that play. He had another interception that he threw in a play that I'm telling you there were at least two defenders that looked like they were off sides. I understand that he thought it was a free play. But still, uh, it was an errant throw into double coverage. Didn't look like he had any receivers that were open anywhere near that and got picked. Those two interceptions led to 10 points, and Geno completed his season low 58% of his passes today. They mustered just three points until that garbage time touchdown at the end of the second half. They really were punchless on offense for most of the second half, and I thought Geno missed some throws today uncharacteristic of him. His accuracy just wasn't where it normally is at. He wasn't as efficient, and again, Uh, Most quarterbacks would look at Geno's stat line today and say, you know what, I'd take that game. That's not bad. But he could have had a third interception to J.C. Horn in the fourth quarter. There were just some throws that got away from him. I thought it was the worst that he has played this year overall. So he's going to need to bounce back on Thursday night. If he plays like he did today, some of the decisions he made with the football, Thursday night is a chance to get really ugly with the 49ers coming to town. So they need better from their quarterback. He's been so good all season long. Unfortunately, he was due for a game like this, and it came at the wrong time with the Seahawks struggling still on defense and giving up so many rushing yards and points to the Panthers. Going to the defensive side of the football now, Ryan Neal, I don't want to pick on too much because Ryan Neal is playing through knee and shoulder injuries, elbow injuries, and he has been as banged up as any player in the Seahawks roster, and he's battling at far under 100%. The Seahawks are clearly taking care of him. Jonathan Abram checked in and subbed in for him in the second half. But the fact is, this is not the player that we have seen that has been creating chaos most of the time since he took over for Josh Jones earlier this season at the strong safety position. His pursuit angles were off. He had some missed tackles. He was just out of position a lot. He gave a few catches in the passing game. He was involved with letting some of those swing patterns that should have been short gains end up being chunk plays that got first downs. He was involved in those plays. Even though he had 11 tackles in this game, felt like there were a lot of plays left in the field, and he just didn't make the impact plays. And there were some opportunities for him to do that. He did have a nice pass breakup in the end zone on their goal line stance, so I'll give him that. But it was certainly a game, and you looking at kind of like Geno Smith. The expectations now have been set for Ryan Neal to play at a Pro Bowl, all-pro caliber level, and he certainly wasn't anywhere close to that. A lot of mistakes made just didn't play like we're used to seeing him play. Today, So a rough outing for number 26. And the same thing can be said. That's really the theme today. Players that didn't play up to expectations that they have created for themselves. And that would be Tariq Woolen at the cornerback position. And just like Ryan Neal, he had a, nice, a really nice pass breakup on a throw downfield to DJ Moore that quite frankly, if you watch the tape, that wasn't even his assignment. And the announcers made that clear too he was able to go off his receiver and go break up that pass. But if the ball was thrown a little bit better, that should have been a touchdown. DJ Moore was open. That wouldn't have been on Woolen. But nonetheless, the reason he is on this list today, his contributions to the run defense struggling. And tackling was a big question mark for Woolen coming out of UTSA, only with two years on defense under his belt at the college level. And, And for the most part, he has vastly exceeded expectations. He has been physical. He's come up and he's tackled people. He's generally been able to get guys to the ground, but he missed three tackles today just by my count. And I'll go back and watch the All-22, but he was not able to bring ball carriers down when he had opportunities. And he had a crucial hands-to-the-face penalty on the Panthers' final drive that led to an automatic first down. They went down and got a field goal. That made it 30-17. to Don't know that necessarily impacted what the final outcome would have been at that point. But still, that was a crucial mistake on a drive that continued to get away from the Seahawks who could not get off the field. I thought today was one of the weaker performances and not the weakest performance we have seen from Tariq Woolen so far. His coverage is fine. The Panthers didn't really test him downfield aside from that one play that he broke up. Uh, but the run defense was certainly, uh, that, was, that was run defense that leaves much to be desired. And you can say that about the Seahawks' entire defense. And the expectations that Woolen has set now The Seahawks expect him to be able to come up and make those plays, to be able to bring down ball carriers. And today he wasn't able to get that done. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming on YouTube five days a week. Coming up tomorrow, Rob Rang will rejoin me. The two of us will have our Monday musings recapping some takeaways after we rewatch the film from today's loss to the Panthers. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.